Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. Brought to you by the Business Radio X Studio Partner Program. If you're a business coach and want to help more people make more money and own your backyard, go to mybrxstudio.com. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic segment. It has been weeks, if not months, in the making. We met this lady at an on-site broadcast with Women in Technology. I think maybe Katie Galley conducted that interview. Yep. We'll try to fill those shoes. This is going to be marvelous. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast Global Executive, CIO, and CTO with multiple companies and author of Grit and Grind, Miss Rhonda Vatiri. How are you? I am great. I am so happy and excited to be back with you, gentlemen. Back in the ATL. Back in are, Atlanta. Are you here for the Super Bowl? Is that what I am, yes. And business as well. And business as well. So um, when we first met you, you were at the Women in Technology. You were, the, I believe, the keynote speaker that evening. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, what, you, what you were there for and what kind of would you take away from that experience? Oh, it was a great, great Landstone event there at the Georgia Aquarium for Women in Technology. In the keynote experience, it was very all-inclusive, talking about not just their females, it was males, too. I took away a lot about mentorship, and I was there to give the keynote on what does it take to be successful in the business world to encourage younger students that since then I've kept in touch with the U.S. robotics in Atlanta here, right. the teens, the preteens. Actually, I think I'm going to see them later today, to be honest. I'm going to cool. swing by and surprise mm-hmm. them. If they're listening, they might be. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. Um, but I really was there to actually talk about what it takes to be successful in the industry in women and technology with STEM, a focus in science, technology, engineering, and math, and really coaching folks through that process. And it was heavily attended, highly, highly diverse audience, which I loved. It wasn't just females. And what I took away from there is I keep in touch with a lot of those folks, so I know I made an impact, which is really what I'm about, showing folks what it takes, very genuine um, and what I took away is we need more mentorship and coaching in the industry. There's not a lot of female executives that do that. And I take it very, very seriously. And the book was already in the, in the works and now it's coming out March 5th to really show folks what that's about. Like a framework and a path for someone to follow. Exactly. No matter what age group, which I think is enlightening. This Mm -hmm. isn't just a swim lane of your preteens or colleges. This is someone who can be in their, 40s, 50s, 60s, and globally around the world, utilizing stories in every crisis of the world. And um, thank you for the introduction of multiple companies, because actually in the book, you'll see when I mention AIG turnaround, the 9-11, Lehman Brothers specifically, there's multiple companies on doing what it takes and coaching through those moments is very important. Right. And then for someone who has kind of lived in that environment as being a female in technology where you might have been the only female in the room a lot of the times, and now you're kind of putting breadcrumbs for the others to follow so that they can maybe accelerate their path. Yes, thank you for saying that. Someone reached out to me last week and said, do you realize you're the pioneer now? And I said, wow, thank you. That, That my heart just warmed because... 
when you're working so hard and you're you you have to in technology I, mean, I don't want to date myself 20 <laughs> gosh I'm going to date myself 20 years ago or 23 there weren't many women in technology and they still aren't and I, I never thought of that to be honest I always just thought Hey, I'm results. I'm going to get it done. Right, whatever it, it takes. Heads uh, down. Whatever heads it down. takes. down. No matter what gender, no matter what you believe in, let's just go and get it done. That's why. The, that's why I just am so passionate about it. So, you know, when they said pioneer, I said, oh wow. And so I have a lot of these folks reaching out to me now, and I take it very seriously, coaching folks through whatever they're trying to do, and not just their career, but their personal life. Now, is some of it that um, do they make excuses? They think that it's impossible. For a woman to succeed, or a minority, I mean, you can plug in whatever minority group mm-hmm. there is mm-hmm. that they think the odds are stacked against them. And then when you have a certain framework or attitude, maybe you can power through some of that. I mean, it, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but it just, it's not impossible. Right. No, it's not impossible. It's your mental model, right? mental mindset, That's which a lot is of important. It. It's very important. And I think pushing through, I do Ironmans to push through it, and you have to have. A mental model to push through that mm-hmm. just if you push through anything in life no matter who you are you can make it happen it's all about your mental model right and uh and speaking of fitness i know there's a navy seal out there that had wrote a book that says that if you think you've given it your all you've only given like 40 percent. like then there's a lot more to give right there's always a lot to give you just have to de- dig <laughs> deep down and have that fire in your belly and if you have that fire in your belly anything is possible now, how did that occur for you? Like, what was your backstory? Like, how growing up, were, were these uh, values instilled at that age, or you learned this later? It's a great question. I think it was instilled very early on me. Um, not work. I worked for everything, self-made, very self-made, very strict, very competitive in sports. I got burnt out early on of swimming, so I took that up 30 years ago, and I actually uh, wrote about that moment and how I got back into triathlons and Ironmans. It was a pivotal moment in my life because I got so burnt out on it because it was very strict, rigid, discipline, right. all sports, and you just get burnt out. And especially swimming, it's back and forth and back and forth. It's, you know, very mind-numbing, <laughs> relentless. Right, you know? exactly. So um, it was instilled in me early on to be competitive, do do what it takes, grind it out, and keep going. Keep was that going. your parents, or you had a coach, or it was actually my great aunt Margaret, who was a pioneer, the first female woman on Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. So I, my family is 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 very you know rigid and competitive, I would say, <laughs> and it was instilled in me in that that early age, seeing her break through the barriers early. So I take pride on that. Yeah, it's my parents. And then um, you've been able to follow that through. Like, I, did you? So you went to college for what degree? What were you? Aim, were you always aiming at uh, computers and computer science? No, this is a great mm-hmm. question. I was not. I was. I have a degree in communications mm-hmm. and business. And business makes me tick. Um, it wasn't engineering. I fell into that, and I'm happy I fell into STEM, and STEM science, technology, engineering, and math is hot topic in the education and co- college world the curriculum is focused on that and i just fell into that out of college going into a management role it i'm going to date myself at mm-hmm. CompuServe. do you remember CompuServe? Wow, yeah. oh i'm really dating myself um actually managing a team 
over facilities, getting into data centers, and then learning how to run cables, knowing what it takes from learning network engineering. That's where I fell into it. Mm -hmm. And then I blossomed from there. So then you, so CompuServe at the time was at the forefront in a lot of ways of technology and internet and things like that. So you happened to fall into the exact right spot. I fell into the <laughs> right spot. There's a plan for everything. I didn't even know what CompuServe was, the right. X.25 packet <laughs> links. I didn't go to school for that. I went right. to school for business management and communications. And I've taken that mold and made sure to become well-rounded and and continue to pursue the engineering and probably because it's innovative, it's fast. I like to I like change. I like to adapt very quickly. And you're comfortable in the chaos of the unknown and and we're going boldly forward and take the it. hill, right? I love it. I think I I think that's why the different companies I purposely move to help clean up. Mm -hmm. I like the chaos. Everyone thinks mm -hmm. I'm crazy because I thrive in disorganization and bringing order to it. Mm -hmm. I'm a very quickly order order person and and having that right cadence. So I do like it. So now in your career, you've uh, started out, I guess, in fairly large companies. So you've been growing and growing larger and larger companies. Are you seeing a trend now? We see this a lot here and, and in some of our studios around this kind of conscious capitalism where we're business for good and that the the um, stakeholders aren't all your investors and things like that, but you also have a corporate responsibility for your community and serving and things like that. Yes. And not just make more money and, and um, you know, kind of reward a handful of people at the top. Right. No, I believe in it. And community service, too, is very important in giving back within companies. And it's been an interesting trend over that because – your employees also want to give back as well. Right. And we call it the day of service in the last two companies that I've been at. And we give a, a team a day to do what they want. They pick a charity. And um, recently, we took a, when we were on a trip to India, we went to an orphanage and adopted a bunch of orphans there. And we as gave a back community? As a community. And the, the company, a group of people from the company, we all decided to do that? Yes. So we, you can see the impact that something like that makes. Exactly. And it's still, um, it's sustainable. We go back year after year mm -hmm. and it has made a tremendous impact in the kids to go back to see right. they're growing and they're in the school and what they're learning and them play an instrument from one year of growth. It just, it, it warms your heart. Right. That's what life's about. Right. I, I think Maya Angelou talked about the ripples that you don't realize that are happening, uh, coming from your efforts. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think companies really have a chance to, to make a big difference. And, I agree. And it starts, I think, in the locally and then it can move globally. Yes. Are it's you, very important. I'm a global global one. Right. I just got back from Africa, um, running 55 <laughs> miles to the Serengeti after speaking <laughs> to the children over there about STEM technology and coaching. And there were 11 of us that tried to run through Africa, <laughs> the Serengeti. Five of us finished. But it was a global effort to talk and, and show um, these young girls, 400, what it takes globally in Tanzania growing up to push through anything. And they have a lot of different cultures over right. there. So when I speak, I'm speaking different cultures and spreading that world. I just I think it's so important that you have different cultures you're speaking to as well. Cause different folks struggle with different things no matter where you are in the world. Right. I mean the poor here are different than the poor there. Right. Exactly. And I think sometimes we lose the context. We do. And they just 
that they just wanted uh, water. Water, right. Which we take for granted. And I had shipped a tribe over in Africa a bunch of water after we went there and the community service and just from the company. Things like that that folks, the ripple effect, you don't realize just little things in life. And I think also we're so busy as humans, we we often lose touch of the human touch. Mm-hmm. So I, I really, during coaching sessions, I try to make sure folks be present, think about what you're trying to do. And what impact are you trying to make? Right. Now, um, and since you are in technology, let's talk about that bridge between human humanity and technology. It seems like a lot of technology we lean on and we rely on, but has lost a little bit of that human touch. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times uh, organizations are capturing a lot of data and communi- and uh, and they're not kind of maybe taking into consideration the ripple effects of all that information right. and how it's being used. And then the consumer does it has no idea of, of what, what's being captured and what's out there. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I just got back from Davos speaking about humanity and the human touch and, and how it's important to not lose sight of that. We are so, I call it digital heroin. These phones are, right. are so addictive and, and I'm so happy I didn't grow up with one. <laughs> I think, I, I think I, I'm honestly, my life would have been a little different. Right. You have memories without the internet and, yes. and this level of connection. And you have memories of not having any access to mm-hmm. anybody trying to communicate with you. And bleeding edge now, I'm on the bleeding edge of technology. Right. So I'm trying to, I, I also see myself as a bridge towards the generations that I've grown up without it, but I'm also immersed in it every day, being a, a CTO, um, technology officer, and having to run technology around the globe. You can't not be without it, right. but it's a delicate balance. So I'm trying to teach everyone that delicate balance on when to go all in in technology and when to take a break. So I don't run with my phone. People find that very amusing. So you don't listen to music? Nothing. And I'm in technology. Everyone's like, Rhonda, you don't run with your phone? <laughs> nope. That's the time to think, to strategize, be present. I want to hear the birds. I want to hear the horns. I know it sounds crazy, but that's my active meditation. Right. To get away from technology and really get grounded. Do you meditate? No. No. So that's your meditation is by running. Mm-hmm. And, and swimming. How much biking. are you? How much are you doing a day where you're kind of unplugged like that? Um, well, training for Ironmans usually about minimum an hour a day, early mornings. On the weekends, it's about three to four hours, mm-hmm. but it's really early in the morning, about five o'clock in the morning. And then that gives you just a chance to kind of regroup. Mm-hmm. And re-energize, right? And then get a cup of coffee. So I don't get a <laughs> cup of coffee that early in the morning. So that's my that's my active meditation. So now, um, getting involved in the Ironmans and things like that, are you doing it for? Is that just your lifestyle, fitness lifestyle, and your that's how you just stay fit? And you add this as goals to kind of keep you motivated, or is this something that okay, I'm going to try to do X number of Ironman, or I'm trying to do ultra marathons, or like that's a good one. I I do it for mental sanity. I do it for focus and I do it for discipline and I want to stay fit. Um, Mm -hmm. I think fitness is an important part. And I always tell folks, if you can't take care of yourself, you cannot manage or lead a team. I I believe in that wholeheartedly and the discipline it brings to it and you're healthy. You can make better decisions. I personally find that I can make better decisions when my mind is clear, it's healthy. You're taking care of yourself and working out is a way 
better than drinking. Um, <laughs> so that's that's you know some people do different things. Right. That's what makes me tick. Whatever works for you. <laughs> Whatever works for you. You know your vice. But um, that's my athletics um, that I haven't lost sight of as well. So now when you're doing your mentoring and your coaching, does that tend to be virtually now or you're doing still any face-to-face in person? A lot of face-to-face, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of FaceTimes, but people like to see in person. And all around the world, I do it. Uh, I, do, I, I love to do it. I prefer in person, but with the schedules, everyone knows. Right, it's crazy. It's crazy. So we'll get on a Zoom or a FaceTime, but oftentimes some, you'll get a call out of the blue. But I prefer in person, but it often I would say it works out 60, 40 percent. Now, for you, when you're mentoring or coaching, are you like walk me through what one of those conversations look like? Are they coming to you with, hey, I got this problem or are you trying to kind of learn holistically what's what they're trying to accomplish and give them? Yeah, it depends. I ask them where they are in their life. Are they an athlete now trying to bridge and go into a career? Are they going through identity crisis? Are they trying to push through a problem at work? Are they trying to learn something new in technology? Most Is it a soft skill? They're trying to learn how to uh, recept, adapt, business acumen. So I really try to find out what folks want to gain. Is it just what does it take to get where you are? Um, but folks often, I walk through the conversation, what are your top three goals? What do you want to do? What have you done? Do you even have a mentor? Are we finalizing our, and actually shaking our hand and saying, will you be my mentor? Mm -hmm. Often folks don't even say that until you say that you don't have a mentor. Right. So if you can't have, if you can't even ask that question that you need a mentor just to teach you to ask that question. Exactly. (laughs) Oftentimes when I said that to in Atlanta in the keynote, when I met you gentlemen, the audience, when I said, how many of you actually formalized your mentorship? Less than half the room raised their hand. Wow. wow. Sh- you must have been a little surprised. I was surprised. Now, if I, when I do that in a different culture setting, I get a different answer. Mm-hmm. So I've learned around the world how much, depending upon what the demographics, but I'm trying to push that word out. Please formalize it. Don't don't assume that this person, you might just look up to a person and think that's your mentor. Right. But you haven't formalized it and you haven't had those discussions. So what are you going to get out of this conversation? So when you say formalize it, what are you are you talking about? Okay, this is gonna have a regular rhythm, this is gonna have kind of a check-ins and milestones and, and have specific goals. I ask them to say, first off, finalize it. Will you be my mentor? Is a powerful question. Yes or no. Shake hands and then get the milestones. How often do you want to meet? What are your goals? Let's talk about the next time you're in here, your progression. Let's let's talk about iterations. It might be emails. And it might it's a cadence, just like running in the right. Ironmans. It's a it's a cadence. And you, it's interesting to see who drops in and drops out and who just thinks it's a social hour. Right. And so that means they're not taking it as seriously and they're not going to get the result then. Correct. They're not. It's not a, it, it can be a friendly social hour. Don't right. get me wrong. You want to have fun. But I also want to see improvements. I'm all about pushing yourself to the limit. And and holding people accountable. Bingo. And that's it's not all about just, hey, great job, right? It's like, hey, why didn't that happen? Right. You know, what could you have done better? Exactly. You know, where is there an opportunity? Mm-hmm. How can you fix that? You know, you got to hold them. A little tough love goes right. a long way, right? <laughs> Very tough love. <laughs> Very tough love. Often, often folks just need that little tough love to push them. Right, a little nudge here and there. Mm-hmm. So um, when we're talking to coaches, um, we ask them a lot of things. One of the things that we like to ask are um, 
kind of if you were helping a coach, a brand new coach get started and they've you know, maybe they have a lot of life experience, but they're transitioning into coaching. Do you have any kind of actionable pieces of advice that you could share that would kind of jumpstart their coaching career? Yes. Um, how many jumpstart their coaching career? Right. So like People. at some point you weren't coaching someone yes. and then now you do that. How do you make that transition from like I'm a, a seasoned executive with a lot of life experience and business experience. Mm -hmm. How do I kind of move into this coaching world? Well, they first have to get the word out. Are you mentor? Who are you mentoring now? Mm -hmm. And do you want how much of a time do you have to do that? Number one, get the word out that you want to do it. A lot of folks are becoming life coaches, right? And I think it's an interesting transition. I would I consider myself a coach in the industry in different areas of the college world and education. But what I tell folks is make it known, make that transition, and actually who who have you pick one or two people and actually really solidify it, see their results, and actually publicize what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And 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 that's interesting. And I, I like to do that with the Olympic athletes and, and et cetera and work with them or team up with an organization to actually help you jumpstart your coaching career. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. Featuring our guest today, Rhonda Vettiri. She's a global executive CIO and CTO with multiple companies. She's also author of Grit and Grind, which I'm interested to learn a little bit more about in a few moments. But firstly, let's talk about me. It's always about you. I think I've been very patient. You guys have had a great conversation, but I've just been listening. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, but it's my favorite part of the show where we get to talk about me. Uh, I consider myself a coach in some regards. I'm not out in the marketplace, Rhonda, uh, marketing myself as a coach, but I do fill that role, I think, mentor slash coach for our studio partners across the country. And so one thing that you can help me with a little bit, I believe, is on this topic that you and Lee touched on a moment ago around tough love. Mm. Um, maybe it's a two-part question. When do you know that it's time to go from just tough love to, for lack of a better term, firing the client, firing mm. the mentee? And then if, you, if that is the case and you've, and you've determined that, any counsel that you might have to offer in how to execute that in a humane, serving way when it's really time for you not to be mentoring them. Mm, I like this topic. I've had to do that several times. It's not comfortable. Wow. It's not. It's a hard conversation. I like difficult conversations. But you have to look them in the eye. It has to be in person, number one. And just say, we have met so many times. You're not taking it seriously. You're not advancing. Or it might be an attitude problem. I've, I've, I've had that come across, an attitude problem. Some folks think instant gratification is there, depending upon the generation. Um, cockiness is often there, that they think it's something's going to happen immediately. Um, and the attitude I look for, very, very time. Or they just take it for granted your time. I've had several of those just yeah. taking for granted when I know it's not a two-way street to have that conversation and it's hard you never want to let someone down but you also want to channel your energy the right way and make sure because your time's valuable too sure and I, I think more folks we need to put more boundaries around our time that we're channeling our energy to the people that really respect it and not take it for granted so I've had to have that conversation say We've met so many times. I don't think you're taking, I know you're not taking it seriously. 
because I haven't seen you improve. If you were in the workplace, I would be putting you on a performance improvement plan, <laughs> um, which means you were working your way out. Mm-hmm. And I want you to learn from this conversation. And well, I think it's time for you to get another mentor. I had someone who was also always late, always late, uh-huh. always late to the meetings, to our mentorship. That is, I don't, and it's in the book as well. Respecting people's right. time. It's disrespectful. Disrespectful. It was a trend. And it was a generation, but oh, 15 minutes late. You don't understand. <laughs> right. 15 yeah. minutes late, you should be 15 minutes early and right. pronto or right on time. It's like a golf tea time. You are <laughs> right out there on exactly. right there. And if you don't learn that now, I'm going to help you understand that because you are tardy we're not going to have this relationship anymore. You will thank me someday, mm-hmm. but it's a difficult lesson to learn that you're not you're losing your mentor because you were late. Constantly. I'm like, what? <laughs> because they think it's acceptable. Which is a it's an interesting twist in the world how just not respecting someone's time, they they weren't expecting that conversation. Right. And then, and then so part of the framing is you really need a, a, a different mentor at this point. That's that's part of how you, on the humane side of it, because you do want them to eventually get the help they need, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. you need a different mentor. If you're, then I'll help you get that different mentor. I will offer it that in a humane way. I will try, but I also will be honest when I call folks in the industry and say, "Look, this person I was mentoring them. They're they're late." You with your schedule, or will you put up with that? I will try to bridge it, but I also want the mentee to learn. They need right. to t- be accountable for their actions because you have to be accountable in the world for your actions. So it's it's an interesting coaching session to, that's a great question, to unwind things. Right. Unwind, unwind. And I think often if you were to sit back and think, are you, in ment- are you mentoring folks that, Really, you shouldn't be. You always have to self-reflect that. Well, yeah, and it occurs to me that if you don't do this, even though it is difficult, it can be challenging, you might sabotage the, the, the relationship or the results of the relationship inadvertently, unconsciously, just because you're harboring this, this feeling of not getting the respect. So you're not helping anybody if you let it drag on, right? Right. No, and you're not helping yourself either. You're, you dread these meetings. Well, and once you, 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 I'm so excited to help people. I mean, that's, I want to spread heart right. around the world and, but you're not, people don't get anything out of it after a while. It's like a, a check in the box. When you know that just a check in the box to someone is a transaction, you know, it's not right. It's a two way street. It really, it really is. But it's, I would always look every, every three months, I look at where people are that I'm mentoring. Am I doing the right thing? Am I checking in? Are they checking in? Are they, are they checking in? It's interesting to see how people proactively check in or just wait for the meeting. That's an interesting... Right. Like, you can't want it more than they want it. Yeah, yeah. well said. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. And so folks that are listening out there, I hope they learn from this. It's, you should be reaching out very proactively and not waiting for the meeting. And I look for that. I really look for that for folks that are eager. Hungry. Hungry. Fire in their belly. Exactly. Let's go. You wrote a whole book on that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they should read your book first before uh, starting mentoring. Yes. Well, <laughs> that's what I'm going to start telling folks because there's 10 principles in here that talk about that. 
and uh-huh. it's about telling the truth, being accountable, being on time. It's it's just ten principles that every team that I manage, and it's literally in the walls of China, mm-hmm. Poland, mm-hmm. all around the world. These ten principles, and I knew when I started seeing it around the world after a couple of years. And this I've lived by this for fifteen years, but the last couple of years, I started seeing it all around the world. Going back for these visits, and people are. I still have your principles up, Rhonda, that you gave to me. And I was like, geez, I need to really write this down. And here's a whole and formalize book on it. it. And formalize that's your whole, it. That's, it's full circle. Exactly. So it, it's very passionate. I'm so passionate about it. And I want to help folks understand how, how to do what's right and well, look advance. How, look how much time this is going to save you when you're mentoring people. Go read the book. And then if this doesn't resonate with you, then we're probably not going to be a right fit. Exactly. Save, save everybody some time. <laughs> right. That's exactly what's going to happen. If you, it, it's here's let's test if we're the right fit together. <laughs> here's right. A, here here's you go. the book. If if this doesn't make sense to you, let's just find another mentor for you. Exactly, and I'll help you do that. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. the folks that I have mentored or look up, and you'll know some of these folks in the world that wrote down in here how I go about coaching. Mm-hmm. They can actually see these are live examples. Right. It's not a hypothetical. This is just tried and true. No, this is substance. So now for you, um, in your kind of mentoring around the world, you, you landed in Davos for a little bit recently. Yes. Can you talk about that and oh. what you talked about and what you saw? Sure. That was two weeks ago. It seems like a year mm-hmm. ago already. Coming back from Davos, first off, when you land out in Zurich, you have to drive about two to two and a half hours that yeah. people don't know. And it's lots of snows. When they report town. on that, they don't mention that. No, they don't. <laughs> they, they make don't. it seem like you're right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a little logistical right. that folks don't don't get. Just think they magically the mountains appear. So you, you have a long drive to and from. And it's very t- ski town. Right. Beautiful. The beautiful scenery. Beautiful nature. All about that. But what you find the most influential people there talking about you know multiple topics um around the world and it's 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 so much fun and mental stimulation to meet up with the industry you know gurus leaders world leaders around the world how folks are dealing with certain topics and i was there speaking about diversity inclusion and leadership global leadership and I found it fascinating. I was on a, a panel about diversity inclusion with um, a couple of executives from around the world. Um, the UN was moderating it, the United Nations, which mm-hmm. was really cool. And we talked about what it divert, how companies are handling different diversity inclusion. I'm all about results. So I, I'm, you know, one talking about results, the book, the principles. Right, because some things sound good on paper on a whiteboard. Right. But in practice... Not so much. Exactly. I'm all about results driven. So I was coming at it from a different angle than your diversity officer. Right. I'm leading a business. I'm, you know, coaching. So I'm how doing w- it. Were you heard there? Were they open to that? I was heard. Um, you're, you're challenging their thinking, right? A lot yes, of times. I was. Thank <laughs> you for picking up on that. One of the CEOs came up to me and said, you know, you're known as a disruptor too, which we need. You're provocative. Right. And I really, you know, I pride myself on just being genuine and, you know, not just being a token. You don't get anywhere for just, you know, you're a female, you're going to get it from being a, you know, it's about, about results. Right. You have to perform. And I think folks just. They lose sight of that. They lose sight of it. It's not just, oh, how many people do you have in these positions? Right. Is it diverse enough? Yes, there's a diverse slate. There'll be a candidate slate, but who's getting the job for the right reasons? Right. And I come about it from that perspective. 
So it's a little, it's an interesting, provocative <laughs> conversation. Um, and it's all about results. So Davos was interesting learning about that. Did a lot of one-on-ones, um, videos streamed on YouTube as well as far as leadership and global, um, global leadership coaching, mm-hmm. which I thought was fascinating because I thought it would be business topics, which are, don't get me wrong, diversity inclusion is a business topic. But I was pulled twice for one-on-one interviews by companies talking about what's your story on global leadership and how do you work, you know, how do you, how, how do you manage a team globally? And they did one-to-one interviews. And I found that fascinating that the world was asking for that. Well, when you look at the world, a global organization and all the different cultures they touch, it's hard to have one sentence that translates culturally and, you know, verbally to all of them. Right. right? So you got to kind of customize it to the audience, don't you? Uh, yes, you do. How you handle something in Korea is different than how you would do it in India and how you do it in New York. In New York, how you, right. how you do it in Atlanta, quite frankly. Right. And the people are different. We act different. How Poland is, does business, how you hand a business card is different, how the eye contact is different. In Hong Kong, you need to hand it with two hands. You need to give that person time to read it. If you just yank your card back, you will offend the person. You will not get the business. You have to flip it over, write notes. I mean, how you do business in the world is totally different in cultures. Right, one size doesn't fit all. Right, and people lose sight. Here we go back to the humanity. There's a lot of aspects to the human element that are not technology driven that if you even at your dinner if you eat differently in different cultures offend people so it's it's an interesting um dynamic i've been fortunate enough in my career traveling so much being on the road 237 days internationally for years on end i mean back to back to back learning these different cultures and how to do business and coaching folks through and mentoring folks around the world. So I've been very fortunate that way. So I've learned, and that was a lot of the one-on-one interviews when folks were asking me, how do you motivate your teams globally? What, what, how do you do this? How do you do the follow the sun model? How, and it was, it's all about coaching and and leadership as well. Mm -hmm. And they're they're hungry for that type of information, right? They're hungry. And I, you know, I said, well, I have a book coming out about it, but it's not about, it's worked into, I, I do have it in here about nonverbal cues and different cultures and how to do business and coach through it. But the world is really hungry for that. Mm-hmm. Very hungry, not just diversity and inclusion, but how do you do business in diverse cultures? Right, because that's a little different. It's, a li- it's, it's such a different angle. So that was, that was enlightening. That's your next book. That's the next one. <laughs> well, maybe I have a coaching book together. That's right. We have to do something else. So as, you, as these t- conversations happen and you're in a different setting, you really take a step back and say, wow, okay. You get out of your, get out of your box, which I, I don't try to <laughs> box. Get out of your bubble, whatever bubble you're in at the time, and have different dialogue with people like we are today that we all learn from each other. Right. So now for you, um, what's the most rewarding part of your your career right now? Oh, good one. I like seeing people grow to their next level and see folks in C-suite positions that I've helped. I have one gentleman that I hired him at 26, 20 years later, he's running a bank. (laughs) That's, and I'm very proud of him. I'm very proud of Chris. And that that's what makes me tick. Seeing it's sustainable. Seeing people grow, it's not just a one shot. 
and helping folks in their journey and really having those relationships and bonding and bonding with the people. But I like to, I like making a difference in their lives professionally and personally. And then to have these principles that you have in your book kind of stand the test of time and be rep, uh, being able to be repeated in different environments must be rewarding. So you know that those principles stand true. Yes, they stand true. And they're, they're around the world. And when folks, I get these texts from folks, I just, there's a picture up on the wall. I have them. And I'm like, wow, it really touched their heart. And they're, right. they're living them. Right. They're, that, in those their are the ripples. Life. The ripples are everywhere. The ripples are everywhere. And, and I just think that's the most rewarding to know that those are still out there and it's sustainable is, is, is really key. Now, if somebody wanted to get a hold of the book or um, have a more substantive conversation with you, what's the? Do you have a website where they can go? Where there's I a do. Thanks for asking. Um, the book is gritandgrindbook.com, but you can also find myself at rondavitiri.com. That's everything. All of my work, everything. Get the book, um, and please, please engage. I'm happy to help. Good stuff. Well, Rhonda, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Oh, thank you, Leanne Stone. It's always a pleasure. You gentlemen are great. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 